Hey bosses, before we get started with this episode, I want to thank our sponsor, DiversityFund.com, will tell you more in the mid-roll, but they allow you to invest like the 1%. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey bosses, this is Johnny FD, and welcome to episode 129 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. If we sound extra crispy, it's because Sam and I are in studio here in LA. Sounding extra crispy, looking even crispier. So make sure you guys watch the YouTube version of this podcast. This is the one to watch because we are in unfunny studios here in LA, professional recording studio. We have young Nolan in the house. What up? And it's going to be It's gonna be fun. Dude, we're never going to be able to go back to the portable setup. We're going to have to take Nolan with us wherever we go to set the studio. This is too good. Yeah, so if Nolan, if you want to fly with us to Asia, to Thailand, to Europe. Dude, I'm so mobile, man. I was at the beach earlier. I'm down for whatever. Dude, okay. throw this thing in a, in a ship container and bring it over. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so we're going to have a really good uh, episode because we're going to be able to actually bring up the screenshots of our dashboards, go over everything. So we'll probably go over that first and then talk a little bit about the lifestyle, the travel, and all the kind of fun fun things. Including our first ever Invest Like a Ball Summit here in LA, manana. Yeah. Go. And I'm finally going to answer how and why I got to ride a private jet here There in LA. you go. There you go. Looking forward to diving into it. All right. So let's talk about our investments first. Um, what do we have on screen there? Actually, that must be yours because that looks ghetto. <laughs> so for any of the new listeners tuning in for first time, every quarter, Johnny and I review kind of the last quarter, what's happened in life, what's happened with our work, and of course, uh, most importantly, what's happened with investments. And typically, because we talk about them so often, we kind of breeze over them. A lot of people have been listening for a while, know where we're invested. But because we have the benefit of the visual display, we're going to go into a little bit more detail on these. Um, And the first one up there is Pier Street, looks like. So Johnny and I both invest through Pier Street. Pier Street's going to be our gracious host of our summit next uh, or tomorrow, actually. So we've been invested in Pier Street for now, I'd say probably each about two years. And so Pier Street, of course, is, uh, for those not listening, it's peer-to-peer loans uh, that's backed by real estate. So it's basically you're you're giving someone a loan for some type of real estate transaction. And, you know, we have a lot of discussion all the time in Boss Lounge about Pier Street it's a. It's definitely a favorite alternative asset for a lot of people. Could we actually just pull PureStreet.com? Mm-hmm. P E E R. And we had him on episode three, was it? No, oh, I don't. I don't I, I've got too many episodes in the bank to recall <laughs> which number it was. But um, but yeah, we've had both Brett on and Brew, the, the two co-founders, at, at different times. And I, I guess the what I wanted to identify with is is in the peer-to-peer loan game. Mm-hmm. I think is very true for for investing as well. Is, is widespread diversification is the key to consistency and taking volatility out of your returns. So the way I've got Pure Street structured is I don't put more than 2% in any loan. And the only mistake that I've made in two and a half years with Pure Street is I tried to pick winners. When mm. I was f- first starting out, I think like maybe week two, I set up an account like this one's the sure thing. So I put in like what what at that time was about 20% of my portfolio into a loan and it went into default. Oh no. Now defaults are going to happen. It's just part of the game. But the reason I wanted to bring up 
no, I don't know if you can bring up that one screenshot that was showing the returns previously. There it is. That one. So this is these are my returns over the, the course of what two and a half years, and that's what matters to me. It's the consistency, and if you you do enough diversification, <laughs> Pier Street has enough inventory and supply that you know, there's going to be defaults. I think in mine maybe there's like four percent defaults, but over the course of time they don't actually matter. I haven't lost principal on any of those, so it just takes time to recoup the money. But if you diversify enough. It doesn't matter. Look at that line. That's two and a half years worth of returns, ultra consistent. Yeah. So for those who are driving or you know walking your dog and you're not watch, watching the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. you should when you get home. Uh, it's basically a graph from September 2016 that just steadily climbs. It It's only going up. It doesn't ever dip down. Mine's probably very, very similar, which we'll show in a little bit later. But so for Pure Street, if you guys haven't heard the episode, basically Pure Street is a peer-to-peer uh lending platform that is real estate backed. So our episode was actually called Pure Street versus Lending Club because both Sam and I had gotten to uh, Lending Club first as mm-hmm. a way to do these micro loans, which, you know, it's a pretty cool concept, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of giving someone a $100,000 loan, you give them a $1,000 loan with a 100 other people or a 1,000 other people. But what we both really liked about Pure Street is... If someone defaults, which happens sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, p- businesses fail, people are you know, people fail. Assholes. Yeah, people fail. <laughs> people are assholes. Yeah, and s- instead of just you know having them get a slap on their wrist and they move forward, you get to take their house mm-hmm. and you get to sell their house and get the money back. And what's really cool about Pure Street or really two things: one is they have a whole team of people to deal with that stuff for us, mm-hmm. so we don't have to do it. And then second, they you. Their minimums are a thousand dollars, so the smart way to do it would be if you want to invest a hundred thousand dollars or tw- let's say twenty thousand dollars to put your put it into twenty different deals to d- diversify instead of what Sam did, which is try to pick one winner. Yeah, and I think that's where people make mistakes. You get in, you try to pick winners, you have too much fun with it. My strategy now: put it on automated investing. Don't put don't extend more than two percent of your portfolio in any loan, yeah. and just let the algorithm do the work. You're you're going to have a couple of defaults in the group, but if you if you stick to that strategy, I think my account shows that it will work for you. I want to say seven point eight percent is is my average return right now, or my annual return, which is you know it's that's great. So if you go to the, the other one, which says Pure Street Short Pay, that one's mine. The, the one right above it. So this is actually my my, uh, my account in total in the past what how many years three years that I've had uh, Pier Street, I've made $13,000 in interest from them since September 3rd, 2016. So actually almost the exact same month. I think we both invested when we had them on the podcast. Right, yeah. We're like, this is pretty cool. But what's cool is on this uh, screenshot, this is actually the only default I've ever had. Okay. And what I like about it is even though it took like two years or a year and a half for me to get the money back, First off, it's only a thousand dollars, so it wasn't twenty percent of my net worth or right. something big. It was such a small amount that it didn't really matter. And the second, all, on the notices, uh, in the screenshot you can't see it, but if I was in my dashboard, I would scroll down for like four pages mm. because it would be like, uh, you know, April. I mean, like March two thousand seventeen, loan started. You know, June two thousand seventeen, uh, late payment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, and every month it'd be like, we sent them notice, we sent them yeah. extension, we got, we find them, you know, we we foreclosed on the house, we sold the house, <laughs> we fixed the house, we had, you know, and then eventually a year and a half later, they give they gave us back basically 
$900 out of the thousand. And then we had collected $48 in interest already, mm-hmm. which means it was a net loss of 49 bucks, which is not that big of a deal. It's like pretty much a break even, a little bit of a waste of time. But this is why we like these online platforms mm-hmm. like Pure Street is because we don't have to be the ones dealing with this crap. Because can you, can you imagine, Sam, like needing to fly back and forth from Thailand or Europe or wherever you are to try to evict someone, try to take them to foreclosure court? I mean, I, I practically just did this with a property in Thailand where I, I bought a condo pre-construction. They were four years late on delivering the condo and I had to go through this un, really unpleasant legal process of trying to recoup my money. And it's a different type of investment, but yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about this, and we always talk about it on the podcast, and we'll talk about the smart, the summit that hands off as as much as possible, passive, let us live our lifestyle and invest, you know, using mechanisms and instruments like this that kind of do the hard work for you. Um, speaking of, are you completely out of lending club? No, I think I still got very little money, but I keep, I keep withdrawing every time. That me too. Loans, yeah, me too. Up. We're probably about in the same the same timeline as that. I think. I had a fifty thousand dollar account with them. I think I'm down now to like less than two hundred bucks. Yeah, me too. I'm, I just can't wait because now I have to. I want to get out of it fully by the end of this year, so I don't have to file tax on it, a tax oh, return on yeah, it nice. ever, ever again. But yeah, so uh, so so far, I would say our experience with peer to peer lending has been good. Lending tr- lending club, I think we both maybe lost a small amount of money, like one or two percent, but it opened the door for us to even <clears throat> start this podcast uh, and discover Peer Street, which has been a really good one. So that's um, that's a good one. We'll see yeah, them tomorrow. I like them. Um, and, and you know, to be fair, I never actually lost money with with Lending Club. Mm-hmm. I just had my money tied up for five years, and I got like a one or two percent return. So yeah. I, yeah, so, so I, I could have had it anywhere else. Cost, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nolan. Let's let's go into the second one. Maybe we just go kind of whatever is on the screen. We'll talk about. Yeah, maybe Fundrise, the one right above it. So I think this one is mine. This mm-hmm. is the other real estate kind of portfolio, but unlike Pure Street, where it's a hard money loan, where we get a fixed interest rate. So for example, 7% or 8%, Fundrise takes 1% as their fee, mm-hmm. which is well-deserved. Actually, when I went to their offices today, I had no idea. They have like 200 employees. So that's at Pure Street. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge operation. It's big. Yeah. And it gives you some comfort as well, right? It's not just a machine doing the work of a couple of people behind it. It's a big, big ass team. Yeah. In, it's not like, yeah. Beast. It's yeah. not like three dudes sitting around, but yeah. like, all right, it's yeah. a big website. Yeah. It's, it's a huge company. So Fundrise is a company that's, it's, it's very different in some senses where it's also in real estate, but instead of doing a hard money loan where you get a fixed, you know, 7% interest, mm-hmm. Fundrise is actually helping you acquire these like buildings and you have a, you have a small share of it just like a small share of Pure Street, which I like. I like that diversification. I like everything that is online. But what I like about Fundrise is you're actually participating in owning that actual apartment building. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. You can see photos. You can see where it is. And then you either get debt or equity. And I, I like kind of a mix. I think I have like 70% equity, mm-hmm. 30% debt. So a little bit of the, the interest payments, but mostly I'm, I'm uh, we're, we're getting you know the monthly rent payments, and we're also cashing out in potential equity if mm-hmm. as it grows and as we remodel the places. Yeah. So when when I look at these, I I also invest in, in Fundrise. I think we got into Fundrise and Pierce Street about the same time. Uh, very happy with with Fundrise as well. The the monthly yields have been going down slightly, or the quarterly yields have been going down, but they're still they're still reasonable. I haven't looked into detail of why they're going down, if they're reinvesting more money or if, if just returns are going down. But you know, when I look at these two types of asset classes, 
Pure Street is basically fixed income. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where you're you're gonna get you're gonna get you know regular distributions. I think in Pure Street I'm getting distributions almost every single day now, but I'm getting paid out at least twice a month. Fundrise are getting paid out quarterly. The two both belong in my portfolio because I, what I think the the financial dream is is that you create enough passive income to mm-hmm. to live your lifestyle. But and most people would stop there. Say create enough passive income to live your lifestyle. But throw on the fact that while growing your net wealth. So if you only invested, say you need $5,000 a month to live, if you only invested in Pure Street to generate that $5,000, you'd get that $5,000, but your principal would never go up. Yep. But if you put it in something like Fundrise, then you have some of your principal that should be appreciating over time. So you look back over five years, you're, you're generating enough passive income to support your lifestyle, but you look back in five years, now your principal's gone up maybe 50%. So you're actually improving your net wealth while generating cash. So I think there's both instruments are important in a portfolio. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and and that's why I like having Fundrise as what 67% equity, 33% debt, mm. because I don't need that much, you know, income per month right now because I would just reinvest it anyways. Mm-hmm. My cost of living is so low, so I like that equity where I can build for the future, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, and Fundrise does a pretty good job on this. There are some screenshots. I don't see it here, but if you guys look in Fundrise, we'll, we can include this in the show notes. They'll actually show the the appreciation in your capital. So they they do. I think every quarterly they they do valuations on the property that's in the portfolio, and then they'll show you how that how that's adjusted. I think on a monthly basis. Yeah, and I, I know in mine there there has been some appreciation over the last two or three years, which is great to see because. A lot of times you're investing in a property, you don't really have transparency on what that that that, that property is worth. So it's another good example of a company kind of doing the work for you. Yeah, and, and I like that they're just not waiting for you know land to get more expensive mm-hmm. with with time or just you know by luck, you know Amazon moving in or something. Uh, Fundrise is actively finding you know either distressed properties or properties that can do value add. So they yeah. they remodel it, they do facelifts, they you know they, they do things like that to make the actual building worth more. And you, you you can't scroll down on this um, on the screenshot, but if you if you were able to under annual returns, uh, Sam was right. Where <laughs> right now for the year, it's only been five point one percent returns, mm. which is I mean it's okay, right? It's, it's not okay. bad. But uh... last year was like twelve percent. The year before was twelve or thirteen percent. It was all around there. Yeah, and I gotta say, in the in the alternative investment and a lot of these new crowdfunding platforms, I've seen this. This is a trend. They they launch, they start out hot. They get everyone in with this amazing product, amazing return, and then they once they get the user base, returns start dipping down. Still reasonable, but I think I have to say I think this is part of the general strategy of these companies. Um, yeah. But overall, been happy with it, so I'm not no, no complaints. So if you take a look at the Art of FX um, on the very very top, that's another one that it's kind of the same, right? When, when we first met these guys, oh, one hundred and five percent. These guys were super kind of rolling the dice. You know, just they, they were they were risky, but huge huge returns. Yeah. In the last year or two years, they've been much more conservative. Yeah. Year two was thirty nine percent returns. You can see the the beginning. This is when Johnny and I invested, kind of all the way to the bottom left, and you can see it was. It doesn't look that volatile, but back then it was. It was like every month there was kind of these big up and down swings. Uh, and then I think that big pop cause towards like the first third on the left, I think that was Brexit. They had some big trades on Brexit. And then all of a sudden where you see it kind of towards the end, the last third where it sort of smooths out, 
they announced a new trading strategy that was more oriented towards long-term uh, forex trades instead of sh- short-term, like massively leveraged ones. So that's been interesting. And you know what? Both of their guys, those guys' lifestyles really slowed down as well. So I think their trading style is matching their lifestyle. Because like Johnny said, when we met them and we first invested, Oh my it God, was, uh, we had smashed wild. that bottle. Oh, it was bad. What, what, what kind of whiskey was that? I don't remember, but it was a huge bottle. I don't think it was good whiskey. It was decent whiskey. It was some Bangkok whiskey. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you would go over to their house and Brian would have 12. This is how I met him. I actually walked into Brian's apartment on accident one night when I was drunk. I thought it was, his apartment was mine in Bangkok. And I walked in and he's got like 12 screens set up. And there's these trading screens going cr- like crazy. And there's a bottle of whiskey next to him. I'm like, man, this guy looks – this looks like somebody I want to meet. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote him a note. And anyway, anyways, that story is in I think our first episode with the guys – but this, this thing remains true. Like you go over to Brian's house, he's got 12 screens up, trading screens all over the place. And it's 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 a it's a pretty cool little one, two person operation to watch. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I love it. And if, if you were able to see the screen, it's 13.26% returns of the year, which yeah. actually this year has been pretty good. Pretty good. I think last year ended at 15. Uh, so this year is on track to be about the same. So, you know, really good. And, they, and every month you'll see, um, they, I don't think they've had a losing month this year, which is is kind of you know most people are like that's that's insane. But if you look at it, they're not making like eight percent a month. It's like they're making three quarters of a percent or one percent a month. So they're they're very uh, conservative trades. I would yeah, say. I like it. Uh, so what other screenshots do we have? What's on the very top? Yeah, of the go, let's go to the purple one, Nolan. That one. Let's take a look at that. Yeah. So I've never pulled this up before. I've talked very high level about my E-Trade account, which is where I buy a lot of uh, non-Vanguard stocks, funds of such. So going back like three or four years ago, my E-Trade account was mostly stocks that I had chosen. Gotten out of that game. I don't really buy stocks anymore. Occasionally, I'll buy one or two just to have fun. But really what my E-Trade account holds now is municipal bonds. Specifically, muni bonds, those big, sexy, beautiful muni bonds. No other sexy, tax-free earnings. I love it. I know that's your favorite. You know it? I love it. I love it. So I I got in these muni bonds. I I buy municipal bonds through closed-end funds, also called CEFs. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to pick them. I know some of the strategy around it, but to do it right, you really got to study this stuff. So I rely on Michael Foster, who we've had on the podcast occasionally. Uh, he came on and talked about municipal bonds, and he's basically completely created my portfolio of them over the last couple of years. So whenever I want to buy more municipal bond funds, I text him and say, is it a good time to buy? He'll say yes or no. And if yes, he'll send me his kind of top four recommendations at the time. So now I think I'm in 12 different municipal bond funds. Try to weigh them out evenly. It's a basically a geographical spread east across the US from east coast north south west coast and what i really like in e-trade is they have this this uh, income estimator screen which you can see up here and i wish like vanguard and some of these other w- companies would do this because it it shows you what your estimated income is going to be at every given month for for the for the year so it gives you you know if you need to plan for you know your personal finance this helps it also helps you just have an idea on an annual basis, how much income you're going to generate from the funds and stocks that you're in. And this would work not only if you're in municipal bond funds, but even if you're in stocks that pay a dividend. So this is pretty cool. And I kind of rely on this a little bit, a little bit of my financial planning. I would love Vanguard to make a tool like this because any given month, I have no idea how much I'm going to make in Vanguard. It's just kind of a, just kind of eyeballing it. 
Yeah, but does 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 Vanguard know ahead of time? Like, I, I feel like most of that's just a. Um, I mean, for sure, the the ups and downs, nobody will know because it's, it's a stock market. But as far as the dividends, mm-hmm. like, I don't think they know. They don't know either. They should. I mean, there's historic. Like, if you're in say you're in VTI, right, Johnny? Mm-hmm. They know how much VTI is paying out right now, right? Like, they know it's maybe paying out two point three percent annual. So yeah. if you've got X amount of money in there, they can. And all this is 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 just an algorithm. It's just a calculation. They'll just put it into a nice UI for you to to see. But for us to do it in Vanguard, we would have to manually calculate each one of the funds we're in mm. to get to get that number. I just try not to count my count my chickens before they hatch. I see. I see. Yeah, I like it. But uh, so speaking of individual stocks, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't use E Trade. I use Charles Schaub mainly, actually only. To get the ATM card, which gives you free uh, ATM withdrawals worldwide, it's, a, it's not a bad reason to get that card. I, yeah. I probably I'm probably fifteen hundred bucks a year in ATM fees. Well, the the thing that I learned for anyone who gets the card is if you click like accept the the uh, exchange rate, then Va- uh, Charles Schaub doesn't know how much they charge you for the ATM fee because it just kind of lumps together and they don't refund the fee. So you have to say no. Do not like um, don't don't do the the exchange. Just charge me in like rubles or in mm-hmm. lari or whatever it is instead of in USD. And it turns out I I actually ended up losing a lot of refunds because I was saying like yeah go ahead that looks like a fair exchange rate go ahead and and oh, trade right. in. <laughs> gotcha. I know. But um, gotcha. so with Charles Schaub, I have the only ind- individual stock I own is Facebook. And you know it, it's I've had it since fifty five, and now it's at like one fifty one eighty or something. So it's always done well. And I decided to set, offload a quarter of it just because there's a good chance it'll keep growing and it'll get bigger. But I think when it hit, I think it was one eighty, yeah, like one eighty. I just I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna sell twenty five percent of it, have that cash for something else, and I'm gonna sell another quarter of it. At two hundred forty, and just keep, just hold half forever. So that's it. So you're gonna buy more stocks? No, no, never buy individual stocks again. Can I toot my own horn for, please, for one please, minute? Please, on the go. last, I've actually had more loser stocks than I've had uh, winners. But I have to say, I got Regis right. Yeah, I got Regis right. I put okay. it in boss. I never go in boss lounge and say I'm doing anything right. But this one I was so confident in because I'm in. I'm, I'm privy to the co-working industry. So here comes WeWork, this giant moving through, swooping up everybody, raising all types of crazy money, unprofitable. At the time, I think they maybe had 300 spaces globally. And then there's Regis, 4,000 spaces, healthy company, pays a dividend, growing really fast, buying up you know companies similar to Regis, but very well-managed company that's profitable. Yet, WeWork's valuation was like 20 times Regis. Mm. And it was clear that WeWork was going to go public. And I figured, well, when WeWork is public, they're going to be valued 25 times what Regis is, but they'll only be a quarter of the size. So there's there's something wrong there. Either WeWork's going to go down or Regis is going to go up. And Regis was at the time was at an all-time low, but they're still paying out like a 4% dividend. And I'm going to Regis spaces all around the world. I'm like, it's a good company. So I picked up their stock about a year and a half ago, put it in Boss Lounge. It's up... Uh, it's up about two two and a half times right now. Woo! Which is, good job. Which is great for a, a you know developed company like yeah, that. It's very good. And um and now we've all seen what's happened to WeWork in the last few weeks. Total theatrics there, but 
Yeah, well, and that's why I don't invest in individual stocks. You right. never know what's going to happen. But you do make a good point. If you have insider industry knowledge, that's when you do it. So to be fair, I actually have invested in one other stock since it was Shopify. That's because, right. Yeah. Because it was that one guy, uh, Citron research guy, Andrew Citron probably, he shorted Shopify saying all these online businesses, it's all scam. You know, I read this summer on some guys, you know, some random website that like, you know, all these stores are just scams. So he shorted the stock and he shorted it with real money, like, you know, millions of dollars. And I looked at it and I was like, no, like, yeah, like, there, yeah, sure, there's some idiots that have all, you know, online stores, mm-hmm. but Shopify is a legit, amazing platform for real e commerce businesses where people are creating, you know, legit companies yeah. that are making a lot of money. And just to, just to like say, like, F you to them. I bought a bunch of Shopify stock when it was down at like $76. I should have bought more. It should be at all-time high right now, right? It is. There was just some really good news about Shopify. I think they're the number two marketplace or the, I don't know how they, they termed it, but it was the number two in the world in terms of traffic and-, and It's huge. Yeah. It's literally like if you if you buy something online, it'll either be from Amazon and if it wasn't, it's probably on Shopify. That's but that's a. I, oh my that, God! They're at three hundred and five dollars. I bought it at seventy five a year ago. That's thank you, buddy. Blew it out. Oh, Woo! I should have bought more. But the weird thing to me is, I've never used Shopify. Like I've heard of it. I yeah. see the logo. Same. I've never shopped on Shopify. You know what? Nobody shops on Shopify. You, like you won't. Like if you, let's say you want to buy something. These you know these office chairs. Yeah. You're not buying it from like officechairs.shopify.com or like you're not searching on Shopify for office chairs. You're buying it from whoever the manufacturer is. Uh-huh. Their back end oh, is powered so by Shopify. Shopify is like the CMS and the they software. Are. Yeah. Ah, okay. So it could be it could be Johnny's uh, t- uh, Johnny's Taipei food delivery.com yeah. Yeah. it could be powered and by it's Shopify. Built, yeah. It's like yeah. it's, it's, it's like saying like I've never like went to wordpress.com like, but I yeah. guarantee you've been uh, on a website that was built by WordPress. Right, right, right. Hey, learn something new every day. Look yeah. at that. All oh. right. Well, congratulations on that stock pick. Now I feel like my Regis is so unimpressive. <laughs> but I should have bought way more. Yeah, man. Oh well, we should have, could have, would have. Nolan, let's go down to that pie chart. A beautiful looking, uh, yep. That's yeah. uh, an Excel output. I'm very proud of my handiwork in Excel nice. there. That's actually, you know, I'm actually very impressed you know? that you know how to make a pie chart. And you know, it's funny. I posted this also in Boss Lounge. People are like, how'd you do that? Like, how, how'd you make that? I'm like, well, guys, you know, opened up Excel 2007 and I inputted some numbers and it took me a half a day and I figured it out. All right. There you go. So I wanted to show this because we talk about asset allocation a lot. Man, asset allocation is such a boring term, right? But- I'm very proud about this. This is this is kind of three years in the making, all driven through the podcast. Because when we started this, I was literally in two investments. I was in like a managed fund by UBS, and I had a property in Thailand, cash in a bank. That was it. Everything else has been through discovery on this podcast, you know, with you, Johnny. And I think we sh- would share a lot of this. Our, our pie chart certainly looked different, but we have some of the same, a lot of the same asset classes uh, and different allocations. But I just wanted to show this up as a visual for anyone looking on YouTube of, of how this is kind of pied out for me in a sense. Still my biggest holdings, stocks, uh, index funds, i.e. through Wealthfront, uh, Vanguard, and I still have a small UBS account. And then annuities, which everyone dogs me for, but I'm getting 4% fixed interest rate on those. They're creditor protected, tax deferred. I don't got a problem with that, man. 4% a year, easy peasy, wealth preservation. Had a, a lot of benefits there. And then uh, third biggest holding is physical property, 
which I'm starting to try to grow more and more, as long as it can be passive and maintenance free, because sometimes you get a property that just ends up being paperwork all the time and stuff. But you know that makes up more than 50% of my portfolio. And then uh, paper REITs, we talked about Fundrise. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put Pier Street in there, put Pier Street in alternative investment, but Fundrise, um, I'm in uh, MLG Capital Fund, Apex One, uh, actually MLG will be out at the Summit tomorrow. Uh, and one more fun boardwalk through Omar Khan. Been really, really happy with those. I would definitely put more uh, more money into those funds going forward. They've been great. And then all the the last kind of quarter collectively is cash, foreign cash, peer to peer lending, art of FX, gold medals, cryptocurrencies. Uh, oh, and private investments. And oh, I'll, I'll pause there. But I have uh, something sort of exciting on the private investment front. Ooh, so more. Uh... Startup investing, or did something happen with one of your startup investments? Oh, that'll probably be for next quarter. There are some exciting things happening with some of my, a couple of the companies that I own, operate, uh, and a couple that I'm invested in. But I did make one new investment. Okay, I said I was done startup investing, yes, but I have a, a a buddy that's been a lifelong supporter of me that is invested in my companies, and he was starting something new. So I, what can you say, right? So it's an awesome concept. Okay. What is it? Have you ever been to an arcade where you play the crane game? Yes, I yeah. Okay. I've never won anything from there, but I've played it many well, times. Well, I'll tell you why you haven't won anything from They're there, Johnny. Rigged. They're rigged. They're rigged. So have you ever you ever see a crane game where you actually you get the crane down and it's got it's got the lock on that mm-hmm. little bunny rabbit and you're yep, like, yep. I got it. And uh-huh. then it just goes whoosh, Yep. And you're like, dude, you couldn't get any better than that. Yeah. Well, it's because they rig them. Yeah. They rig them so that like even if you it's going to win, right? Yeah. And then if you get like the corner, you're like, no way it's going to win. And it gets it. And you're like, holy shit, I got it. Okay. So they can rig it to a win percentage, which is illegal in a lot of states and a lot of places. Um, that's that's not a skill game. That's gambling. But you can set them up so it's an actual skill game where it's like the same win percentage just matters. Do you have the skill? Okay. So he's setting up a warehouse in Las Vegas. It's going to have 100 of these machines all remote controlled. So you play from an app. What? You play from a dinner table. You play from your bed. That's so weird. And you can win anything, Johnny. You can win a roll of $20,000. You can win an iPhone 11. You can win a little plastic bunny rabbit, rubber ducky. There's something for everyone. So it, it appeals to kids. These little you know, ADD kids running around with their iPads playing crane games at a dollar or two a play. And it appeals to parents. So it's it's basically legal gaming. That's legal gambling. Yeah. Oh my God. And it, can you imagine a warehouse in Vegas with a hundred of these machines all being played from people all around the world? Ding, 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 that, ding, ding. That is so weird to imagine. And, and But part of me thinks like, why does it even need to be a real warehouse? Can this just be virtual? It, well, you got to have a warehouse. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to play the game, right? So it could be a virtual game, I suppose, yeah. but it's, it's more fun if it's actually the real game and the mechanics going down. So then, so you have that, and I can't give all the details with business, but basically, your uh, your product shipped to you. So with that investment, my my personal private investments in startups has now crossed a million dollars, which is quite scary to me. Ooh. It was more than I ever anticipated putting into startups, I um, and I, I definitely want to pause there. But it's an interesting mark. You know, I feel like it's it's a mark of certainly being committed to trying to. To be an angel investor. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we can. I think you could definitely put angel investor on your business card if you have a million dollars worth of investments. I'm out an there. angel. Yeah. Save you, Johnny. So save you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what? At the same time, that's uh, that's something that I personally don't invest in. Mm. But it's weird because I'm on one hand much more risky in, with investments than you are. 
the same time, like the fact that you invest in startups, it's probably the, the riskiest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Kind of just shows that you're, you know, go go big or go home. Because what's going to happen is either one or some of those companies are going to become huge, and your investment's going to, you know, ten x, hundred x, whatever it is, mm-hmm. or they can kind of fizzle out and just die off. Or they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna fail, and I'll be living off my uh, grandpa annuity streams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's good that you have that. Hey, bosses! This week's sponsor is Diversity Fund, an alternative investment platform providing the same investment opportunities as the wealthy. Their goal is to help close the wealth gap and enable all Americans to achieve financial freedom by opening up the world of alternative investments and let you invest and build wealth like the one percent. Their current investing offering is the DF Growth Read, a portfolio of commercial real estate focusing on value-add multifamily apartment buildings. What makes Diversity Fund different is that they are vertically integrated, which means that they own and operate all the assets. That allows them to move the middlemen, not charge any platform or asset management fees. Best of all, they're invested alongside with you, so you know their interests are aligned with yours. Even then, they pay their investors before they pay themselves. Go to diversityfund.com to learn more or get started for as low as $500. Use promo code BOSS20 to get a $20 Amazon gift card after making your first investment. That's D-I-V-E-R-S-Y fund.com. All right. Well, uh, I don't have uh, my pie chart or anything, but are there actually any other screenshots we didn't go over yet? Let's take a look at the very bottom. Did you have a Wealthfront one? Oh, there's your Vanguard. Uh, my Vanguard. That's okay, always yeah, healthy yeah, to look at. I guess at. we can take a look at these yeah. too. So Vanguard is where I keep probably, what, a quarter, a third, like a third of my money, exactly a third. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I just like seeing, I don't care whether it goes down or up. I just like knowing that every, you know, it's probably because we're in a, we're in a bull market, right? Mm. It's been how many years now? Things kind of, you know, they go down for a few months. You have the red, the, uh, so last month, it went down by like six grand, which is a lot of money, right? Seven thousand dollars, six thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. It went down, and my dividends last month, for some reason, were only two dollars. Oh my god, that's that's horrible. Yeah, what happened there? I don't know. I'd love I to mean, know. But this, this yeah. is a, supposed to be a big month for uh, for Vanguard dividends. Yeah, it's like it seems like it's every quarter, right? Mm-hmm. You get like these shitty little months where you see your two dollars, but then this month will probably be a couple grand or something. So yeah, September it was. $937 in just dividends, which is great. And the market recovered by $5,900. Mm-hmm. So it's still net down by 1000 bucks from last month. But overall, if you if you scroll back up and, and look at the top, I've been in for since 2015, and I've now made $60,000 from Vanguard. That's a it's great. Corvette C8, buddy. And this screen actually is a little tricky to find in Vanguard, but I think it's their best screen. I'm glad you brought it up mm-hmm. because it, it shows everything you need to, to know. And also what I love about this is in, in down markets, when things are pulling back, I love going in there and seeing the income returns because the income returns are always green. It's green every single month, but it also reminds you that even though the the market might be down and some of your holdings might be down on a, on a paper basis... You're still getting paid each month. Exactly. My, my favorite month is December 2018. The market lost $20,000 yeah. in my account. A Toyota Corolla yeah. lost, but it went up in just dividends 
by $1,300 that very, very same month. And the difference between the dividends and the market gain and loss for, for, you, for you guys out there is market gain and loss is on paper. Mm-hmm. So as long as I don't freak out and sell, I still have the exact same amount of shares. The dividends is real cash money in my pocket. Yeah. So that $1,300 was a used 93 Corolla that I could <laughs> buy and drive. <laughs> the lost 20,000 is the paper, you know. It's all in your head, Johnny. Brand new Corolla <laughs> that, yeah, I haven't bought yet. And as long as I just wait a few months, it, it'll be there. Yeah, the cool thing with this too is I'm sure you have your dividends reinvested automatically into funds. Yeah. But it's good knowing like if, you know, 20 years from now, if you wanted to, you turn off the dividend reinvesting and then that income calendar, that's cash. Ooh, You're getting paid. Ooh. So you can theoretically say, hey, I'm done reinvesting. I'm just going to cash that into an account each month. That's what a lot of you know retired people do. They just get that deposit into a cash each month and they keep the, the money invested in the stocks, but they, they live off the dividends. <laughs> yeah, so last month I would have lived off $2.07. <laughs> Sorry, John. You always have a place to stay with me. I appreciate that. All right. So the uh, last uh, screenshot I have is Wealthfront, the mm-hmm. very, very bottom one. This is my basically my retirement account. I think this one is actually my SEP IRA. Uh, if you take a look at Wealthfront, yep. So Wealthfront, the robo advisor, and we're actually having Adam Nash. Adam Nash. Yeah. He is the former president and CEO of Wealthfront. Yeah. Now he's the VP of Dropbox, which is ironically a service we use every day as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's on the board of uh, Acorns. Yeah. And lectures at Stanford. He's going to be great. I can't wait to have him speak. I think it's going to be really, really good. And Acorns, if you guys haven't heard of that, is it's a micro investing platform where they you you basically link it to your credit card and your bank account, mm-hmm. and then every time you buy something, it just rounds up to the nearest dollar and invests that money for you. So you buy a Starbucks, you know, black drip coffee, two forty nine round. Actually, would that round up three dollars? Yeah, I guess that would round up to three bucks. Would you think it round to two fifty? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, maybe it does. I mean, maybe you could set That's it. It's gonna that start way. looking like your your Vanguard uh, dividends each month, two dollars. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, whatever it is, it, it rounds up to the to the next nearest dollar and invest that. So you don't really notice it because mm-hmm. the difference between you know two dollars sixty seven cents and three dollars isn't you know that big of a deal, but it adds up. And there's a lot of people that I've met who, you know, they make decent money in cash, mm-hmm. right? Whether they're a server or dancer or, you know, an actor. Why is dancer number two on your list? Well, you know. You meet a lot of dancers, Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> but like every time I talk to them about, you know, their financial goals, you know, which, which you do, it's always, oh, I really want to buy a new car, you know, something reliable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, how much did you make last weekend here? They're probably like, oh, you know. $2,000. I'm like, why, why didn't you just save up for a couple of weeks and buy a car? And they're just terrible at financial planning. Yeah. They need to come to the summit. They got to come to the summit. Well, you know what? All the dancers out there, you get a special stripper's discount <laughs> the next Nova- <laughs> Invest Like a Boss oh Summit. Oh my gosh. All right. Because you guys need it. <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't support that, but we should probably move on to the next topic. <laughs> all right. But yeah, with Wealthfront, um, if you take a look at my portfolio, it's pretty diversified. It's 22% in in U.S. stocks, 19% in foreign stocks, 16% in emerging markets, and then you have kind of a mixture of other things like dividend stocks, real estate, which is REITs, and then a little bit of bonds, 12% in bonds. So really, it's like a 90-10 split stocks to to bonds. Honestly, I don't even really care about bonds, but you know they pay 6.2 or 6.7%. That's actually pretty good. And the funny thing is, the what I don't like about Wealthfront is if you look at it. 
it always just looks like it's up. It never looks like it's down. Yeah. And I know they do that on purpose. Yeah, they do. They do some fancy footwork with the uh, the greens on that screen for sure. Yeah. So it looks like I've made 39% this year, which I don't think is actually true. I think that's it's, – it's one of those things where I'm okay with them lying to me in a sense or misleading me because I know it's kind of for my benefit anyways. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like about it – like what I like about Vanguard is they're very, very straightforward. Right. Red. No fluff. You lost 20 grand this month. Face it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with Wealthfront, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably doing fine. You know, like over your life, you know, like you're up this much. And in 30 years, you're going to be, you know, a, you know, you're going to have this many millions of dollars. Right. So I think it's really, really good for people who just want to set it, forget it. They want a little pat on the shoulder saying, you know, just keep doing what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And I think also that what, what you identified with Vanguard what they do so good with their transparency. That's what people are so fed up with in, in financial advisory space. You go to a financial advisor, you never get the straight story. They manipulate words and numbers to, you know, to make you feel like you, you, don't, you shouldn't be asking these questions and you never get the straight story. Yeah. And that's why the opportunity for some of these, these new fintech companies are popping up as, as quickly as they are because people want to know. People, yeah. and, and that's also you know, part of our messaging on the podcast is just empowering you to learn so that you don't have to trust a trusted advisor. You can take it into your own hands and manage it. And not to pay them the one or two percent. Yeah, because if Johnny and I can do it with our sweet ten fifty on our SATs, anyone can do it. I, I got less than Did you? Than, yeah. I got eleven sixty. But I will tell you, Johnny, I got I only missed one question on my math SAT, so What's I was top name? top ninety nine percentile, <laughs> but I got lowest ten percent in reading comprehension. Oh, so when you guys hear me slur or, or kind of say the wrong, wrong word or I don't know what the word is. Yeah, well, this is why <laughs> Johnny reads the why. ads and that's Sam why. doesn't. That's right. But I can make good pie charts, man. I can. Okay. There's proof. I like it. All right. Um, so I think that's it for all the charts. Yeah. So overall, how was your quarter compared to the last? You know what's funny, man? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't I didn't look. I've been so busy with life and work, which has actually been really nice because, you know, the last couple of years I haven't been that that busy with work. So I've been in my Vanguard and my E-Trade every single day, playing with things, looking at things, analyzing things. But I think my my portfolio is in a place now where I'm so comfortable with it. It's been a lot of time under putting it together and then understanding it and understanding different asset classes that you know, I, I'm not looking every single day at it, but I know where the market is. So I know where most of my accounts are. I know, you know, where my property is. I know how much fixed income I'm making off of certain investments. I'll tell you what was scary this quarter was this whole thing that went down in Hong Kong or it's Ooh, going yeah, down in Hong protests, Kong. Yeah. And this is, this is why diversification is so important. Imagine you were a businessman or woman in Hong Kong and you had a hundred percent of your working capital, your life's assets that you've built up over a lifetime in Hong Kong, in the banking system, maybe in property and some type of business investment, all that could be taken away mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen there, right? It could be really bad. So I got, I was in, oh, you had told me maybe a year ago to get out of my RMB fixed deposits. I didn't, I kept them. I've lost maybe 25% on, on those. Wait, wait, I told you to get out of your RMB deposits. I know. And I said I didn't want to because I didn't take your advice. So I Sam. stayed in them, and now Sam, I know Sam, I get you. Listen to Johnny. I know <laughs> you're never that firm with me, but then you were firm. And I, 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 I was like, get the fuck out yeah. of RB because like F China, like nobody trusts them. Everybody wants to get out. Like 
if you are a millionaire in China, the very first thing you're thinking of every single day is how to get my money out of China. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is my old business partner in China, I was telling him about this whole, you know, what's happening. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, you have RMB fixed deposits? I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, even Chinese won't do that. Yeah. He's like, the only cash that you're supposed to hold in fixed deposits is it's US, dollar. US dollar. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying to, I, I've never had my money in RMB. I'm like, I don't know why I did this. But long story short, I got spooked by the whole Hong Kong thing. Mm -hmm. So I liquidated the fixed deposits. I, so you locked in a 25% loss. Locked in a 25% loss. Ooh. Lost 100 grand. Oh. Lost 100 grand. Oh, that's and, a Tesla model 100P. I know, it's bad. Salt on the wound. Salt on the wound. <sighs> I had money, the, the, these fixed deposits, between, uh, and mostly in DBS in Singapore. So I said, hey, I, I need to get this money out. I want to get it US dollars immediately. The, the market rate at that time was 7.03 uh, RMB to the dollar. And they go, sure, let me get a quick quote. Okay, we can get you out at 7.22 to the dollar. I go, what? No, it's 7.03. Get me out at like 7.05 or something, you know? And they're like, uh, no, we can't, we can't do that. It's the only thing we can offer you. I go, okay, fine. Transfer my RMB to my HSBC or my Bay Bank or one of my other accounts. They go, oh, sorry, we, we can't do that because that currency is actually held over uh, offshore. So we would have to change it into another currency before we can change out. I go, wait, so you're telling me I don't have any options. I can either keep it in RMB or I can exchange it through you guys at whatever rate you decide. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, that's it. That's insane. It's, it's, uh, it's mafia. Yeah. So I had to exchange it at 7.22. I bought it at like 5.9, which is also the screw on the way in. So that, that, that sucked. I mean, that was bad um and then i still have all the the property over there which is it's un very uncomfortable i'll mm -hmm. tell you it's very uncomfortable right now but that's it just goes to underline the importance of diversifying your investments especially across geographical areas because yeah. any country can go down to shitter pretty quick yeah especially when your bff co-host <laughs> was telling you firmly <laughs> sam don't trust china yeah well, it is what it is. I, and on, on the positive side, when we sold the company in 2013, uh, we sold it in British pounds. The British pound was at like 1.65 to the dollar when uh -huh. we sold it. And it's been on a straight slide south. Now I think it's at like 1.15 to the dollar. So, mm -hmm. And I know a lot of friends that still have money in Britain or assets in Britain. And it's like every day they're, it's going down. It's, it's going down faster than the RMB. So sucks. My favorite thing about the US dollar is... If we mess up and we like you know, the U.S. goes to crap, our economy goes to crap, we drag down everyone else with us. <laughs> That's a powerful feeling, you know. And and it, it sucks for everyone else, all right. But that's why I'm I'm not worried about keeping my money in U.S. dollars. Mm. But if I was from any other country in the world, I would keep my I would keep my investments in U.S. dollars just because we're the only one that has that hedge. Like if Australia messes up, like nobody cares. You know, if England messes up, nobody cares. Even the euro messes up, people will just jump to dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you kind of have a easy to have home country bias. I guess in my, where I'm sitting, I'm like, I have like the anti US yeah. appeal in a lot of ways, but I, I would still say probably a third to, to almost half of my assets are in the US. Yeah. So. Okay. That's good. But I mean, I do diversify like in emerging markets because I, I, I do think that the glory days of the US being the strongest economy. You know, the world, you know, are, you know, they're limited, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen in 5, 10, 20 years. I'm sure that some of these other countries are going to 
either either catch up or maybe even beat us uh, like economically and with growth, especially stock growth. And that's why I do diversify in emerging market funds and international stock funds. But U.S. dollars is, is where it's at. The, yeah. You know, I, I it's funny because I think also at the same time. I had said, oh, you know, if you want to invest in some foreign currency, invest in the Ukrainian Grivna and get 18% interest at a bank. That is uh, ultra risky, <laughs> but it might be a fun little experiment. Yeah. So, Johnny, let's, let's talk quick about, uh, let's transition a little into to life, but with a short break on work. I saw you on a private jet flying down here. I want to hear about that. But I also saw on all these posts how inspired you were about, about this experience. Has that reignited any type of, of fire in the belly for your own projects that you're working on? No, yes and no. And actually, uh, Young Nolan, if you could pull up my Instagram, it's yeah, yeah, Johnny yeah, yeah. FDK. If you guys aren't following Sam and I, Sam is what? I am Sam Marks. Okay. Letter yeah. I, letter M, Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, F-D-K on Instagram. So, Nolan, I guess he's, it's... He's going to ask you to like him. Follow me on you there. might not say it on the air, but afterwards he's going to... If you want to follow Young Nolan, what, what's your Instagram? At uh, Nolan Culver. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, what was it? FDK. FDK. So I got, I, my whole life, I never thought, I mean, I mean, I barely even was able to f- afford to fly anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I remember flying to New York, you know, was my first like big trip anywhere out, outside of California. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Right. And then when I started flying internationally, I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then business class, because I had the business, I had all these miles, like that's incredible. And I honestly, I was jealous when I saw Sam on his private jet or, or flying in a private jet a few years ago. And I, I just thought that would never, ever happen to me. Just a day in the life, Johnny, just a day in the life. You know what? <laughs> and what happened, I guess, well, well you know, I try to guess, like, how, how do you think I ended up on a, on a private jet? Well, I saw you were on a, uh, with another Asian guy. So I thought it was just like some Asian guy saw you standing in line at Delta in the coach line and was like, I feel bad for this Asian guy. So uh-huh. I'll bring him on my private jet. And it's like that Asian bond thing. Oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> that, yes, that's exactly what happened, Sam. <laughs> so, no. So actually, uh, it was I, was, I was in San Francisco and I had called my buddy JP and said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be in LA next week. Your birthday is next weekend, right? You know, like, what, like, what are you, what are you, you going to be doing? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm having a party, but it's actually this weekend. And I thought, oh, crap. You know, I, I like messed up the schedule. And he's like, yeah, you know, and so it was a big, da- big date for him. He was turning 50. And I said, that guy's 50? Yeah, he looks young. Oh, right? my well, he's gosh. Asian, too. So yeah, that's, no, that, this whole Asian thing's crazy. So. Crazy. I was like, you know what? Uh, I already have my, my plane ticket booked. I have everything kind of set. Mm. You know, I was going to fly in Alaska Air. I had, I had a good flight for 52 bucks. <laughs> good deal. But I was like, you know what? I'll make it down. It's it's your birthday. I'll, I'll come down. And I had looked at like, I was going to book a bus. Like those inner city buses. Mm-hmm. It was 40 bucks. It was like a nine hour drive or 10 hour drive or something. And I had just asked him, I said, hey, you know, because he has a lot of friends in Chesco. I said, hey, do you know anyone at SF who's going to drive down? Maybe I'll hop into the car with them. Spit gas or something. And he says, oh, no, but I'm actually flying down from Sacramento uh, the day before. If you can, if you can make it up to Sacramento, uh, th- there's room on the, on the plane. Mm-hmm. So I took a bus from San Francisco to Sacramento <laughs> with all my luggage. <laughs> like, ca- California buses, people. California buses. Yeah, which are not that nice. I was sitting next to a bunch of like <laughs> ghetto, nice. like, like, you know, yeah, yeah like it's pretty ghetto. ghetto people. It's ghetto, yeah. And I have my, you know, my duffel bag 
which is everything I've traveled with for the last seven months. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I was smart enough. While I was waiting at the bus stop for him to pick me up, I changed out of my you know raggedy T-shirt into a polo shirt. And he pulls up in a converted black Sprinter van mm-hmm. that is basically like a mobile limousine office. He's there with his CFO in a full suit, as well as his uh, his in-house attorney, who's in a three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the bus stop in Sacramento <laughs> with a bunch of like hood rats that I just had uh, came up on the bus with for ten dollars. And I get in, and we drive from the bus stop to the private airport. Mm-hmm. Jet's waiting there. Pilot shakes her hand. We, we go on. They hand us a craft beer. And it was incredible. So, it, it was the best experience ever. Yeah, the photos are sick. Yeah. So is that, so hold on. Did I miss it? Is that his jet or is it a net of one of those jet shares? So he had his own jet, but it was smaller and it was kind of, you know, said it was inconvenient because you just, you know, you have your jet, mm-hmm. you have to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So instead he sold it and he signed up for net jet. Okay. Jets. Yeah. I know a couple of people that are using that or there's another one. I forget, but yeah, it's sick. They're, they're dope. I mean, yeah. like, can, can you explain the program for people that don't don't know it? So I, I think you just pay like I don't know. I think it starts at like ten grand a year, and then you have uh, you have shared access to jets. You know, uh, the ones that seem to be more common now is like people that are doing routes of say New York to Miami, or there's you know, of course, some of the main routes is they'll have a jet like that. That and as long as your schedule is flexible, they'll say, hey, we have a jet going. This day, you know, this Thursday, next Tuesday, next next Wednesday, and there's one, three, four seats available. Oh, and so no. you'll be on it with like three or four people, but it's still, you know, it's ultra exclusive, right? Yeah, and actually, I I I met someone. I forgot who it was, but he said that um, like he uses that service, mm-hmm. and sometimes he's be, he'll be sitting next to like you know like you know some rapper, or yeah, some, like basketball player, like you know, I, I forgot the names, but like, you'll be like sitting next to like Kanye West or something on, yeah. on, the, on the plane, which is pretty cool. But the one that JP does is he does a I think for whatever reason he he he, he just keeps it private so it's just him mm-hmm. but and his um his, his his team I guess but what they did is instead of owning the whole jet and then having to first you know have maintenance and deal with that one jet mm-hmm. but only be able to fly and move you know like you need to move that jet from like wherever you fly out of right what he do, he has is a quarter share program where he had he bought. 25% of the jet along with four other people, mm-hmm. which is still a lot of money, but that's how you get into the program. But then all of your jets are into a fleet and you can basically use each other's jets. So I don't think it's a sharing program, but there's other people on the jet with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever see them, but you have, you know, your jet in Burbank airport. Someone else has their, their jet in, you know, whatever Sacramento airport, whatever yeah. it is. And just wherever you go, whatever size of jet you need, you just, you just use, you use each other's. It was a good experience. So we we got about fifteen minutes left. Let's yeah. re, let's cover a couple of quick things. So I want to hear a recap of of where you've been the last quarter. Uh, let's talk quick about the summit and where the where's the fire in the belly. What are we what are oh, we working on? I like it. Is is there any fire in that Johnny FD belly? You know what? Yes and no. Is right? he just fully lifestyle, location independent, living off passive income? Can you do that for the rest of your life? I could if I lived on a budget. Or if I lived in cheaper places mm-hmm. like, you know, Spain or Eastern Europe or Thailand. Yeah. You know, I have, let's say, four grand a month coming in tax-free. And I'm like, all right, th- that's enough to live. Can't fly private jets. Can't even fly business class. I flew premium economy this time back from Europe, which is 
a major downgrade now. Yeah. You know, I was like, I can't fit in a normal seat because I'm like three inches wider than I was last year. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I can't afford to fly business class all the time anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like four grand every, you know, every time you go. Yeah. And I don't have my e-commerce store racking up points anymore. So it was a downgrade. But here's the thing is hanging out with you know, these rich guys and then hanging out with um, – who, who was I with? Even just like the guys, you know, like even the guys at like Pear Street, like they're they're making good money. They're like you know, big, you know, big company. That's a great company to work for. Yeah. And I thought about it. I was like, am I am I giving like what am I giving up for this kind of life of travel? I can work for one of these good companies. Maybe I can work for Google or something. Mm-hmm. Have access to free food, a gym, nice office. Living the Southern California lifestyle. It's a nice lifestyle. Yeah, it is. It's comfortable. I can have a nice car. You know, or I can live out of my bag, which is in. You know your your buddy Chris's trunk right now, a sixty liter bag, and just have everything there. I think I'm, I'm on the right track. I think if I lived here, I would have to buy a nice car. I would have to have a nice place and have have to have nice clothes just to stay sane because of the traffic, the kind of the BS of, of kind of daily life here. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you don't have like some nice things, like you, you like you, life sucks. It's hard to feel relevant. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what I. What I th- think, I think this is very easy to say, or people looking on might be, oh, that's easy to say. But what I value much more than money is just flexibility of schedule, ability to work when I want to work, where I want to work, you know, spend time where I want to spend time and around who. Mm. In this last quarter, I spent a ton of time at my parents' place in South Carolina. Actually, Noel, can you, can you fire up my, my Instagram real mm-hmm. quick? The letter I, letter M, Sam Marks. So our dog is, you know, probably at the, at the very end. Uh, very close to the family. It's been, you know, incredible dog. Um, so we've all been going to the house in South Carolina, working out. I, you know, work online out of the basement. Three months, basically, most of the three, last three months, I've been spending uh, with my parents either in Spain or in South Carolina. And I'm like, you know what? This is so much more. You know, val- money can enable you to to live that lifestyle, but that lifestyle is also within reach for just for for most people. You know, you can negotiate. Uh, at your at your corporate job to work remote three three days a week or five days a week, you know you can build some type of online business. I mean, if if you really make it a focus, that is within reach for a lot of people at least a couple of days a week. And I've really enjoyed that the last you know normally Johnny, you and I are out traveling most of the year, but really this this last quarter I just kind of stayed near my parents' place and like worked out of the basement. Knowing you scroll up, yeah. we this uh, let's see down a little bit that one right there. Me at the fireplace. We we screened in this bottom deck, and uh, and just made it like this little cool office. You know, it's almost like a treehouse. And I don't know. I think that's just the message that I want to I want to get over to people because we talk about making money on this podcast all the time. But I think things that we often take for granted, although I know we try hard to appreciate it, is is just that we have the ability to be anywhere and work from anywhere. I mean, we're productive. We're working on things, but we can do it from a bar in Lithuania or. Uh, you know, corporate office in LA. And I think looking back on life, we'll, we'll, we'll see that as one of the most valuable things that we created and the greatest gifts that we created for ourselves and our loved ones, the ability to to do that time and spend this time, you know, quality time where you want to. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, like even this experience right now, mm-hmm. this is so nice. This is this feels like a treat being in a studio in LA with a professional, you know, podcast like recorder with, with video, with you know, great equipment with soundproofing in the walls. You guys have to watch this video. Like, like seriously, go on YouTube, 
Search Invest Like a Boss. Look for the video for this because it's cool. Mm. I love it. The sound quality is better. It's more comfortable. It's like the entourage type experience. Nolan's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, Nolan's a cool guy. Yeah. You guys are dope. You know, I, I would love to do this every week, right? I would love to just be able to come into a studio like this, you know, maybe have young Nolan in-house like Joe Rogan as young Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. You know where we're going to do this, John? It's going to be Barcelona. Yeah. I'm um, okay. committed. I'm committed. We just opened an office there. I've been over there looking for properties. So if anyone is interested in the golden visa of Europe, 500,000 euros gets you residency in Spain. Yep. You can do it for 250,000 in Greece. Ooh, I would move to Greece. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> so Spain property prices all time high. Most uh-huh. of Europe all time high. Greece is down fifty percent since two thousand ten. Yeah, because Greece is a piece of crap. Yeah, it's but beautiful. I love Greece. But it's a piece of crap. Right. There's you know the streets are kind of chaotic. There's graffiti everywhere. Yeah. There's you know there's you know people all over the streets. But Greece is awesome. Yeah, I would invest in there. I, I think Athens that's a good value. Is still an amazing place to spend time. The islands are awesome. So, so just price wise, in Greece you can get a two two, like really nice area of town, big terrace, a hundred square meters. You can get a two two for about three hundred. That same two two in Spain in Barcelona, which is where you got to be if you're going to be in Spain. That same two two will be double the price in, in Barcelona. 600,000 euros. To be honest, I would never move to Barcelona. There's too many people. Like the like the prices are crazy. You're not a romantic guy, are you, Johnny? You, know what? you don't see that architecture and just your heart melts and you just no. want to go do twirls in the streets. You know, I can go to the Gaudi, you know, the Gaudi Museum once. I can go see the, whatever, the <laughs> Formalia like once. I'd rather live in Lisbon. It's nicer, better beaches. It's cheaper. Or I'd rather be in Greece where it's like, you know, more ghetto, but has more The people history. in Greece are so cool. I mean, they're just fun, yeah. fun-loving people. It's it's amazing. And I, I get a kick out of it going there. You know, Greece, Spain is now the longest living people on earth, mm-hmm. 87 average life age. Everyone smokes. Yeah. Everyone drinks all day. It's amazing. No stress. No stress. No stress. They do not stress. They refuse to stress. They will yeah. not have it as part of their life. It's something that's so admirable, <laughs> spending time here in L.A., where everyone is Everybody's literally, stressed. everyone except Nolan is stressed. <laughs> everyone I've seen today is stressed. It's amazing. No, but it's serious. I mean, like, at first I was, I was stressing that we were 10 minutes late to the studio. Mm-hmm. But then I realized he's probably used to everyone being late all the time. It's all good, man. Traffic. It's LA. LA traffic. I, I blamed it on traffic. I text him. I'm like, sorry, dude, we're five minutes late. Tra- you know, dot, traffic. Dot, dot, traffic. He's like, dude, it's LA. It's, it's like, LA. It's you're, you're actually going to make good. an excuse about it's traffic? It's just a synonym. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, it, it's, you know, I've been now here for like a week and a half or something. I love it here. You know, mm-hmm. we went down to San Diego for a few days. We spent time on the beach. You know, had great food, cool people. But the fact is, when I'm in a car for an hour and a half every day just to get anywhere, mm-hmm. it's a pain in the butt. It's heavy. And it's expensive. You know, like it, like eating out here, you know, there's great food, but it's expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, while when I was in, even in Spain, Portugal, in Eastern Europe, and Thailand, you can have amazing food, and your bill's going to be like 10 bucks a person. Dude, I'm just flashing back to three months ago when you and I were in Lithuania, Oh, and it was like, we scooter, Uber, what was the other form? Bicycle. Mm-hmm. There's all, like, all this public transportation that's on demand, so accessible. All the meals are like six euros, great. We're walking through parks. I mean, it was just, it was such an easy place to live. Zero stress, really. Yeah. And here, like, I remember 
you know, for the last couple of months, I've been taking Uber so much that when I opened my app, I realized I'm an Uber Diamond member, which I didn't even know what that was. Wow. I think that's just someone who takes so many Ubers. They're just like, yeah, you know, like you got upgrades, you got free stuff. Mm-hmm. To be an Uber Diamond member here in LA, you'd have to spend thousands of dollars a month. Yeah. And I remember getting off that private jet and my buddy, he was he stays in Pacific Palisades on the, on the, on the west side. Mm-hmm. And I was going to downtown LA, which is on the east side. So he just dropped me off at a hotel on Sunset and said, "Oh, you can just grab an Uber from here. It's you know, it's pretty close by." And it was it was relatively close by. It was like you know, I guess without traffic, it would have been like fifteen minutes. But yeah. with traffic, it's like an hour. And the Uber was seventy five dollars. <laughs> and I was like, "Hell no, I'm not paying seventy five dollars. That is thirty rides in Europe." So I took the bus. I took the public LA bus wow. from. A private jet to a bus, yeah. Because I was like, I'm not paying that. It's dollar seventy five. You got to have those experiences to appreciate the jet, though. You know, if you're on a jet every day, yeah. take it for granted. Well, dude, it's been uh, it's been a great first day here in LA. We got the conference coming up tomorrow. I'm pumped. Of course, slightly nervous as always, but um, you know these these events that even for the size that we've done in the past, it's a lot of work. But I'm super pumped and. Uh, you know, just appreciative for all the speakers that are coming, all the people that are flying in for it. This is something we definitely want to do at least once a year going forward. We did one last year in uh, Chiang Mai. It was a great turnout. So let's uh, let's rock it and roll it for tomorrow. Do you have anything to say about the conference? Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, you know, it was a lot of kind of last minute stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because to give everyone kind of a background, you know, we're, we're touring around with the idea for a long time. And we were like, you know what, should we have it just be a casual meetup or should we have it be a big event? Mm. And at first we're like, okay, let's make it a big event. But then it was kind of hard to get really good speakers on board because it was our, our first event here. And, and people, you know, Sam had like sent out a bunch of emails, didn't hear back. We're like, okay, you know what, let's just make it a small casual meetup. Mm-hmm. But then like three, four weeks before the event, we got all these big names emailing saying, yeah, love to come, love to come, love, love to speak. And we're like, oh crap, now we have a month to turn this from a small like meetup to an actual summit, an actual conference. Mm-hmm. And Sam kept pro- promising everyone that we would have 100 people show up when at the time we had like 12. <laughs> <laughs> and, but somehow it, it worked out. You know what it is, man? It's just like we were talking about on the car ride here. It's hard to plan so many months in advance. People want to plan like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in advance now. So that's what we saw happen. It was the same in the one in Chiang Mai. It was like when you try to sell tickets and get people to commit two months out, didn't happen, but one, two weeks before the event, everyone started joining. So I think that's what we had here. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, also want to let everybody know I got a new home in the USA. Oh, again. My buddy Chris Gorman, who happens to be here in the audience, drove his U-Haul trailer down to Tampa, Florida. So long, Tampa. Got a lot of friends, a lot of listeners in Tampa now. Great, you know, you know, glad I spent the year there, but ultimately found a much better home in the US for me. Charlotte, North Carolina. And I moved in. Uh, there's four of us living in a two-bedroom apartment. It's like an episode <laughs> of Friends. It's really cool. And um, it, it's a great, you know, Charlotte's just a cool place. The people are super nice. There's a, there's a culture there that everyone identifies with. It's courteous. It's friendly. It's hospitable. It's really a, a breath of fresh air uh, coming from Florida. And I can say that because I, I'm a Floridian. I spent 26 years of my life there. But you know what? Florida's becoming New York. It's becoming New Jersey. People are pricks. Everyone comes down there and it's hot and everyone's just angry. But in the Carolinas, you'll, you won't find nicer people in the US. And that's more and more important to me because we've been a little bit spoiled spending so much time in Thailand and 
Southeast Asia where everyone's just friendly. And sometimes you come back here and it's like, whoosh. Well, what's funny is on our drive over, we had saw an old lady trying to parallel park her, 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 his, her big Mercedes S550. Yeah. And Chris said, oh, this was North Carolina. Someone would, you know, go and, and help her park the car. Yeah. Like they would get out of their house, get out of the car and help her park the car. And I, I looked at him like. And Chris was thinking about doing and he, it. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, maybe I should pull over and help her. And I was like, this is LA. If you walk up to someone, they're going to think you're carjacking them. There's yeah. a good chance that granny's got a Glock 9 in her car and is going to pop a cap in Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I guess you wouldn't have to have a roommate then. Maybe you are. <laughs> I like having a roommate, man. <laughs> well, I, I do sincerely wish you the best with this place. Mm-hmm. But as your track record has held, three months is kind of the amount of time you get bored and want to move move, move again. Only, yes, that's true. That's I, I don't have an excuse for that. Yeah. But this is this is going to be a three, four month a year uh, place. It's a U.S. base. I, I basically cut my U.S. cost down to almost nothing. And um, I'm going to try it. I'm still going for this Barcelona thing. It's a little bit more complicated because you really need the visa because I'm at the end of my, my tourist stuff there. Um, but what I think I actually might do instead is do what you were saying, the Athens place. Yeah. Get a place there for 250,000 euros. Prices are 50% down from 2010. And you can you can monetize it through Airbnb or you can rent it out long term. Or you can just keep it for a summer place. Live there for three months a year and have an awesome place in downtown Athens. Hop to the islands. Uh, and it's, you know, reasonable. And you, and you get the visa for... Europe, basically. Yeah, because it's EU. It's EU. So I think that's that's the way to, that's the way to way, do it. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And dude, it's cool just to say you got a play, place in Athens. In I mean, Greece. there's so much history there. Greece. One of the Greek philosophers, yeah. man. I'll be up there in my robe, you know, walking around all stoic, <laughs> probably stub my toe, fall face uh, flat. I'm not that stoic. Yeah. I'll be downstairs with the, with the Euro. Gyro. 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 <laughs> Extra good, mayonnaise. Yeah, whatever this, the white sauce. Yeah, the white sauce. Let me get that white sauce. All right. So- Let's wrap it up. This was a really, really fun episode to do. Mm-hmm. Hanging out here in person with Sam. Fist bump. Thank you. Thank you guys for Thank listening. You. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, make sure you guys comment and let us know if you like this video format so we can do it a little bit more often. Uh, big thank you to young Nolan. What's up? Unfun- Thanks for coming in, guys. We'll yeah, be yeah. back, Nolan. We'll be back. Awesome. Yeah. It's too good here. Yeah, right on. So, yeah. Any last words? No, that's it, man. Hey, and uh, podcast-wise, it's been great. We've had some awesome guests on last quarter this year, and uh, this is a new step for the podcast. New content, and then the the summit tomorrow is going to be really fun. So keep an eye out for that, guys. And hopefully, you know, if you can't make it to the U.S., you're in Europe, you're in Australia, we'll get them going in that side of the world. We've got one now in Asia last year, one in the U.S., maybe Europe next year. Maybe Athens. We'll see. Or maybe Athens. All right. See you guys. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week. You like things just so. 
So do we. The Bank of Clark is the bank for that. We all have an inner perfectionist who deserves things done their way. Maybe you like to bank in person. Maybe you prefer to bank online. We get it. From banking to lending to wealth management, we're all about getting things done just the way you like them. We're the bank for that. Find out what banking designed for you is all about. Visit your local Bank of Clark branch today or go to bankofclark.bank. We're the bank for that. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.